uh, this morning. We have one testimony before we uh, start our service morning. Laura West, she's going to come give a testimony. Give her a hand, she comes. Good morning. Um, I'm still learning everybody's names, but I just want to give a testimony about the love and the family of this church. Um, Tay got me in Walmart a couple, um, about a month ago, a month and a half. I had just lost my husband. Very, I was very upset, and Tay prayed with me, and I am just, just like, I am, this is my family. The first time that we came here, what really, I mean, I have a son, he's 13, he'll, but the first time I came here, we sat down, and within two minutes, all of the teenagers were over there at my son, welcoming him, and I can praise God and say that he was saved. Amen. He's been saved, and I'm so blessed. We are so blessed for this family, and we love all of you, and we appreciate your hospitality. Thank you. We appreciate that. Get your Bibles, uh, Psalms 25 and Revelation 21. Uh, amen. Psalms 25, Revelation 21. How many would agree there's nothing like pain? When you're in pain, your whole body, or you know, when you're in pain, your body—it's hard to hide it. When you're, when there's pain, I mean, your whole body's going to tell the story. I've seen pain bring grown men to their knees. Pain can disable you. Uh, pain can uh, keep you out of work, keep you bedridden. Uh, I mean, there's nothing like pain in the body. You know, there's five different kinds of pains. One is acute pain. Acute pain is short in duration. It gives a certain, uh, it moves a certain way, and it's, it's like a quick stab in the muscle. Uh, so it's like when you, when you're hurt, it moves, and you feel it like stabbing. That's an acute pain, but that pain is telling you something. Acute pain actually, uh, they say, works in the healing of your body. So when you move, and there's a quick stabbing feel. That pain is saying, "Don't do that again." Try not to move like that again because I'm trying to heal this area. And when you move like that, you bring damage again to that area. So uh, there, that pain is called acute pain. There's chronic pain. Uh, chronic pain is longer duration. It can be uh, consistent or intermittent, uh, like a headache or an injury that now affects your health condition. If you get headaches, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, especially if you get migraines where it lasts for some time and that uh, was chronic where it's not just a one time but you know what I'm talking about if you get headaches three is neuropathic pain neuropathic pain is due to damage uh, to the nervous system shooting or stabbing burning pain uh, is the result so if you've ever had nerve damage you know what that fire feels like uh, you know if you pulled muscle nerves are involved it's like a burning like a fire going on you uh, four, there's, uh, if I say it right, narcotic pain. Narcotic pain is a type of pain caused by damage to the tissues. It's aching, throbbing. It's like when you hit your elbow, stub your toe, uh, scrape your knee. 
that kind of pain? How many, done, how many stubbed their toe in the middle of the night? Your wife had moved something, you know, the path to the bathroom, but she had put a chair there, and all of a sudden now you know what that pain feels like. Then lastly, there's uh, 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 reticular pain. Reticular pain is a very specific type of pain that causes spinal nerves. Uh, it's dealt from spinal nerve compression or, or inflamed. Uh, this is tingling, numbness, and muscle Weakness. So there's all kinds of different kinds of pain. But as bad as these pains are, it's possible to have two of them or all of them at the same time. Now, I've met people that are uh, suffering from all different kinds of pain. And if you ever had pain, amen, you can sympathize with someone that said, I can't move. I can't straighten up. I can't lift my arm. The pain. Uh, and if you ever had any kind of pain, you can sympathize with that. Uh, and I, can't, I couldn't imagine having all five of these at work in my body at one time. If you've ever had one or two of them, you're like, God, take it away. Yeah. But as bad as these are, uh, uh, amen, sometimes pain is good. And sometimes pain is from God. Because pain protects the body from further injury. Pain says, stop doing that. Uh, go get some rest. Go see a doctor or something. So pain... Uh, uh, tells us a message, amen. So uh, our text kind of deals with this. Matthew, or uh, 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 Psalms 25, let's read it, verse 18. He said, look on my afflictions and my pain and forgive all my sins. Revelation 21, 4. And God will wipe away every tear from your eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed Away. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you this morning, God, for your blessing, God, to be up on the service. God, I pray, breathe up on the word. I break every bondage, every demonic. I break the powers of hell. I'm asking you, God, to speak to hearts. Lives would be open to you this morning, God. Uh, God, your spirit would find its way into every heart. God, would leave your change. God, minister by your blood and by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. I've titled this, Is God Involved in My Pain? This morning. So let's look first on pain is the reality of life. You know, very few people, if any, will escape the reality of pain. I haven't met anybody that says I've never had any pain. I've, I don't know what pain is. I've never smashed my thumb. I've never uh, cut myself. I've, I don't know what pain is. I don't, I've not met anybody like that. So pain is the reality of life. Uh, I've touched on physical pain, but there's also mental pain, emotional pain, and there's spiritual pain. So there's different pains this morning. So it's a reality of life. Pain is almost always the result of injury or trauma. You know, pain can uh, hang around for a long time. I've met people that have suffered uh, a, from a car accident 20 years earlier that are still in pain today. They move a certain way. They have to go to the doctors and get shots and get treatment because uh, they show the pain of that today. And, and when that pain hits, the agony and maybe even the memory of all that comes up. I know other people that went through divorce years ago, and they're in mental anguish today. There's mental torment. There's pain involved. Uh, I know others that were disobedient to God and to calling, uh, and today they're miserable. So there's different kinds of pains in life, but pain is a reality. 
pain's a reality of life, and we have to learn uh, how to navigate it. Our text says in heaven there will be no more pain. That You should have said amen right there. That had been a good place. In pain there shall be no more pain. But here our writer says, look on my affliction and my pain. You know, just because we're living for God, that doesn't mean that we will escape uh, this life pain-free. Many times we have a false uh, uh, impression that because I'm living for God, uh, I'm never going to experience any bad. I'm never going to have any pain, any difficulties, uh, any injury in my life because I'm living for God, so I'm never going to have any pain. But if you look into Scripture, many of the Scriptures are around uh, people that are in extreme pain. The lady with the issue of blood. I mean, imagine how painful her life must have been. Uh, the Bible first said for 12 years she spent all of her money, uh, this pain, this injury, this problem is forcing her to the doctor. She spent everything she's had, uh, and we have Scripture that's wrapped around this story. We had the man, the lame man at the pool, Besady, 38 years. Uh, I can't imagine the pain that's involved in that. Uh, it may, even if it's not physical pain, the emotional pain, uh, uh, the drama, the trauma. We can talk about the father's son who was thrown into the fire and the water by demons. Uh, the agony and pain involved in that. We can talk about blind, the blind beggar, the lepers, the death, uh, and on and on. But these scriptures are wrapped around these stories of people that experience incredible pain. These people that are going through some very difficult, trying times. Uh, so we can't say this morning, well, I'm saved, because, so I'm never going to deal with any issues. Never going to have any pain because Jesus is my Savior. And the great thing is when you're saved, Jesus helps us deal with the pain. But there is pain that's a reality of life. How we handle pain, decisions made in times of pain, will play out in our lives. Amen. So we're all going to have times of pain. Let's just settle that. I'm not a prophet of doom here. I'm not saying, hey, Pastor, you're going to have a horrible life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the reality of life is there will be pain. So look how to handle that. 2 Kings 20, verse 2. says, so in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord in verse 4. It says, and it happened before Isaiah has gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of God, and I will add to your days 15 years. So Hezekiah shows us, as hard as it may seem, uh, in times of pain, we can pray. As hard as it may seem, uh, as difficult as it may be, uh, we can pray, we can get God involved, and we can walk away healed. Uh, that's the good news. In the midst of our pain, we can get God, uh, and God can step into that and do a miracle. But we also have 2 Chronicles 16, Asa. It uh, says in verse 11, uh, Asa became diseased in his feet, and it was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but physicians. Some commentary says he sought out uh, spiritual healers uh, instead of God. You know, most believers would not do this. I know most believers are not going to go to a witch doctor, go to a magical healer for healing. But uh, what I'm trying to say, how we respond and decisions we make play out in life. Uh, Asa died uh, 
from his injury. Hezekiah walked away healed because how we respond in time of pain matters. Decisions we make in time of pain uh, matters. Uh, we see a great example, Acts 16. Paul and Silas uh, has been beaten by rods uh, for preaching the word of God. They've been put in prison, but verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. People watch how we respond to pain. When we say we're a Christian, we're a believer, and now we're in a time of pain, who knows, everybody's looking. They want to know uh, if we're going to turn to God, if God's really real, if he can step into our arena of life and help us in this time, or if he's just like every other uh, false god out there that doesn't care a bit. People watch to see, and, and Paul and Silas, uh, they're singing, they're praying, uh, and everybody's watching. We know Jesus in the garden in this incredible agony. The Bible says sweating drops of blood. Uh, not my will, but your will be done. You know, the sad truth, I know people that serve God strong when everything's going good. But the moment pain sets in, we don't see him again, or they begin to hit and miss, uh, or they become a complainer. I know people like that. Uh, amen. And don't let yourself become that. Three here, if we're not careful, our pain can turn into sin. Look at our text here. Look at my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sin. We can go to Genesis 4. It says, and the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, uh, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should roll over it. Now Cain talked with Abel's brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel's brother and killed him. Now think about this setting here. Uh, God calls him out. There's pain involved. He's pinched if you would. He's rebuked by God. Uh, instead of just accepting that, uh, okay, God, I'm wrong. Let me correct this. Uh, it turns into sin. He's angry. He becomes bitter. Uh, and now he's, he's aiming that his brother Abel. It's Abel's fault. But th think Cain uh, would have never thought about killing his brother uh, uh, in a natural. They were bro brothers. They grew they're the only brothers in the world at that time. They need each other, but sin or pain can turn into sin. Uh, and here it did. This pain turned into sin. Uh, the sin became destructive, and we know the end of Cain's life was not good. But I know people today that let their pain turn into sin. They start out with something very painful, something agonizing happens. Uh, instead of dealing with it, giving it to God, and they just let this thing fester and grow and become twisted, and all of a sudden they do things that I never thought they had ever done. So this is exactly the miracle of forgiveness here. In our text it says, it says, and forgives all my sins. Think about forgiveness. Forgiveness is so powerful, we can't even begin to understand it. Forgiveness is so powerful, we don't have the mind to understand, or understand forgiveness. Think about the miracle that happened to you at salvation. Everything changed in a moment's time from crazy to sane, right? From addiction to free, uh, all that happened just because we asked God to forgive us.
when we simply ask God to forgive us, such a powerful miracle happened that we, I mean, we don't have words to explain. When I gave my life to Jesus and I simply asked for forgiveness, I left that church service that day uh, not addicted to alcohol, drugs. Uh, I didn't want to run anymore. I've simply changed by the power of God. Uh, that's a power that we don't really understand. The reason forgiveness is so powerful is because of the price that was paid for it. Colossians 1.9, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. You know, forgiveness by definition means a deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment and revenge towards a person who has harmed us. So when we got saved, uh, God makes a decision, I'm going to, I relinquish all my revenge, all my, uh, all the curse of sin, all that is washed away because they repented. That's pretty powerful. Listen, as vile, as corrupt, as unclean as we are, God said, I'm going to forgive you. You know, every once in a while you read about somebody in the Bible, you say, they deserve that. They deserve all the, un- all the judgment uh, that can be mustered up. They deserve it. You know, King Manasseh is one of them guys. You read about this guy. He's a wicked king. He worshiped the sun in the temple of the Lord. He sacrificed his own son to idol, his sons to idols. Uh, he shed innocent blood, uh, caused many of the Israelites to fall into idolatry. And we look at that guy. So he deserves all the bad he can get. But 2 Chronicles 33, you read it, it's mind-blowing. It says, when he, verse 12 says, when he was in his affliction, he, he turned to the Lord, uh, humbled himself greatly before the God of his father, and he prayed, uh, and God said, I'm going to forgive you. Not only did God forgive him, but restored him back to Israel. And, came, and we're dumped out of it. We said, yeah, but, yeah, but he, uh, you know, yeah, but, 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 you know, right? But God, he deserved that. He deserved worry. He deserved all the, everything you can throw at him. But God said, yeah, but he asked me for forgiveness. I forgave him. Because we want to weigh it out sometimes, don't we? We want to weigh it out, what they've done, who they are, how long they've And God said, no, they've asked. I'm going to forgive. Think about the prodigal son. I mean, he leaves and squanders everything. Leaves, brings shame on the father's house, uh, squanders uh, everything that uh, the father's going to give to him on prostitutes, on riotous living, uh, partying it up, uh, he comes back broken, you know the story. He simply, Father, forgive me, everything's restored. We can't understand that. We don't have the mind to understand that kind of forgiveness, uh, but God does that. Think about the lady at the well. Uh, five times married and divorced, living with somebody and shacking up with some guy, uh, and in a moment's time she's forgiven and her life has changed. Think about the lady caught in adultery. They're bringing her before Jesus, uh, and they wasn't nice. She's probably not even having clothes on. They're condemning her. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And she goes, boy, saved. It's hard for you and I to get our mind around that, but we must. Because if we don't forgive, we cut our own line off to God. When we say we're a Christian and we will not have the heart of God to forgive, we cut our own line off. Look what Jesus says here in Mark eleven twenty five. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. 
Think about that. How much do we need forgiveness? God said, if you can't forgive, I can't forgive you. Forgiveness does not have a number or limit on it. You know, you can forgive somebody, and let's just, that's how we are as humans. Uh, I'll forgive somebody if they do it like one or two times, but hey, if you keep doing this, man, uh, right? I'm not the only one, right? Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I, for, uh, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I think that's pretty reasonable. Hey, if somebody uh, upsets me, offends me seven times, uh, and, and they keep going, I'm going to say, hey, that's not any true repentance there. Uh, but Jesus said, no, up to 70 times seven. What Jesus is saying, there's no limit on it here. I'm not putting a limit on forgiveness. Uh, uh, amen. He's not condoning sin. He's not condoning violation. But he's saying, listen, forgiveness is such a need, I'm not putting a number on it. You know, forgiveness is not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. You can tell when somebody's saved that they're willing to forgive. When they simply say, I'm going to forgive that person, even though they've hurt me, especially if you know the violation, but I'm going to forgive, you know they're saved. Because it's not a natural thing, a spiritual thing. When we forgive, we're acting or choosing to act like Jesus. When we forgive, we're simply saying, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be like my Lord. See, in the naturals, they said, we weigh it out. We will decide if they deserve it or not. What if God did that to us? Well, let me see if old Ryan deserves forgiveness. I, he did this back and ooh. Ooh, ooh, I don't think so. No, Ryan, you have to sit there in that shame for a long time. But no, he simply prayed and God forgave him. Right? You know, forgiveness is needed in relationships. How many know we're not perfect? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. You know, we're not perfect. We, have, we fall short. We make mistakes. We fail. That's every person here. So to say, I don't need forgiveness, you're lying. I'm perfect. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, in marriage, how many times have you had to go to your spouse and say, forgive me? Am I the only one that has to do that? I want to forgive me again. Sorry. Being stupid. I'm not, I'm not the only one. In church, how many times you had to ask your brother or sister, hey, forgive me? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Hey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's needed. It's needed in relationships. When people know they're forgiven, it changes them. And people know if you forgive them or not. You know, if you're looking at them like this, every time they walk by, they know you didn't forgive them. They keep your kids. You know, keep some. They know when they're forgiven. And when they know they're forgiven, it changes their lives. John four. Think about the lady at the well again. Five times she committed adultery. She's shacking up the moment. But when Jesus said, you're forgiven, she knew it. It changed her life to such a degree, verse 28. So the woman left her water pot. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to all the men, uh, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they all came out of the city and came to him. It totally changed her life to such a degree there's no more shame and, and, and on her life, but she's going into the city, uh, and 
telling everybody, come out and see this guy. She knew she was forgiven. It's needed in relationship. Let's look lastly here this morning. Our need for God's involvement. In our text, the psalmist is asking God for his involvement. Look at the words. He says, look upon my afflictions, my pain, and forgive all my sin." This word look means to direct your gaze at me. Uh, regard me in a special way here. Jesus, really look at me. This is not just a passing, hey, look at that. It's, it's a desperate cry. It's a, it's a desperate cry for God. Give me some special attention. Look up on me. Uh, he's asking God, be involved in here. Uh, gaze up. Spend some time with me here. Uh, amen. And we all need that. Our psalmist is in a time of pain, and he gets real, and he gets honest with God. No hiding, no covering up. Uh, he calls it what it is. Uh, he says, my affliction, my pain, and my sin. He's not blaming, pointing fingers. He owns his shame. He owns his fault. Uh, and when we ask God to get involved, we have to own who we are. We say, God, look at me. We have to own it. Uh, I've got pain. I've got shame. I've got sin. Uh, God, but spend some time with me, cleanse me, uh, help me here. Uh, he's being honest with God, and we need God's involvement, but if we're going to have his involvement, we have to be honest. You know, the reason many never get healed, delivered, and set free is because they're never honest. They don't own it. They spend their whole life pointing fingers. Listen, you want God to look upon you. You have to be honest, you have to own it. If you want a miracle in you, uh, if you want God to spend time with you, God to be involved, you have to own it. You have to say, God, it's me, it's not them, it's not that person, it's not them over there, it's me. You know, Psalms 51, you read this text, it's about David's admission of his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband. Verse 1 to 2, David said, Have mercy upon me, O God, According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, bold out my transgression, disowning it. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He's owning it all. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned uh, and done this evil in your sight. He's owning it. God, this is my transgression, my sin, my fault. I'm the blame here. Nobody made me. Nobody forced me. I'm the blame. I own it. Uh, and because he did that, he got a miracle. You know, repentance is more than just a prayer we pray. It's more than just getting out of trouble. Okay, God, forgive me. Got me out of trouble. No, it's more than that. It's more than a prayer we pray. It's being honest with ourselves. It's owning our sin is our and our shame, uh, I'm wrong, and is crying out to God for forgiveness. When somebody repents, I tell them, you need to repent. I'm not saying just say a prayer. I'm saying you need to own this. Uh, you need to, uh, God, this is me. This is in me. God, I'm repenting. I'm turning to you. That's what repentance is. Look at our words in our text here. Look at my affliction, my pain, and forgive my sin. You know, because we're flesh and blood, repentance must be a part of our lives. This is what makes the altar so powerful. After the preaching of the gospel, this is why, this is not just a platform area. This is a, we've made an altar. 
after the preaching of the gospel, the Spirit of God has been dealing uh, with you during the preaching. Uh, you can come to an altar and bring repentance. Uh, God, forgive me. It's me. I'm guilty. I'm, I got shame. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for repentance. And, and when you spend time at the altar and ask God involvement here. You know, the altar in the Bible is a vital part of relationship with God. You follow Abraham, you follow Jacob, even Joshua, Israel. They were always building altars. So why were they building altars? Two reasons. One, for worship. Uh, they want to be, uh, have a place where they can worship God. And two, for burnt or sin offerings. <laughs> they said, man, I'm messed up. I need to always come before God with a, uh, a burnt offering, a sin offering. God, uh, I'm going to always come before you. It's my fault. I'm messed up. God, I need your help. You know, we cannot do well as Christians without God's involvement. You know, I'm always pressing prayer, reading your Bible, pressing faithfulness to church, but we cannot forget simply being honest with self and God, owning our own sin and repentance. We can't forget that. And that's why the altar is so critical uh, uh, after service where God's dealing with your heart, bring it to the altar. Sometimes God and I am dealing with me. I just want to go to the altar. I don't go to the altar and pray and say, hey, God, I'm still here. Help me. I still need your help. See, if you want God's involvement in your life, our text says ownership. Look at my affliction, my pain, and my sin. Have you taken ownership this morning? Or is it always somebody else's fault? If they didn't say that, they didn't do that, I'd be, no, own your own it. If you will own it and be honest, listen, God will forgive. Can you say amen? You know, we love this text, and God will wipe away every tear from your eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, and the former things have passed away. That's such a wonderful text. But in the meantime, he said, look of all my affliction, my pain, and my sin. We get to heaven. You know, one thing about heaven, there's going to be no more sin. Isn't that going to be wonderful? No more temptation, no more violation, no more all that. All that's going to be formed. It's all gone. But until then, we need an altar. We need to be honest. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads. I talk first about the reality of uh, pain, the reality of life. You're not going to escape it. Whether if it's emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, it's there. How we handle pain, decisions.